Welcome to The Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning. This is Tom Clark, Papa Tom from Statesville, North Carolina, and I have a very special guest with me today. It's Dang Mejok Chol, and he's from the South Sudan. He's one of the lost boys from Africa. He's uh, living in the United States right now in uh, North Carolina, actually. And uh, he has a very special story to tell about his life and how his life paralleled the life of Joseph out of the scriptures. And um, the reason why I uh, thought that the Lord wanted me to bring him on and, and, and for us to talk to him because Dang has a father's heart. And uh, his experiences with life are experiences with not only what was happening to him in his life and how uh, God sort of anointed him, not sort of actually anointed him to do the things he's doing right now. He's found his calling and his destiny, and uh, he wants to share his life because he wants you to, share, to find your calling and destiny. And there's only one way that you can find your calling and destiny, and that's to connect with the Father's heart. Now, some of us live in a world where we're pretty comfortable, even though it seems like it's going to hell in a handbasket in many places in the United States. Uh, Dane comes out of an environment that was truly hellish in terms of its circumstances. It was uh, a place where a civil war was in um, going to uh, destroy uh, millions of people, and uh, he was one of the, the survivors. And why was he one of the survivors? And we're going to try to address that situation today. So, Dang, before we introduce you, or as we introduce you, tell, I just asked you the question, what does your name mean? Because that's very important for people to know uh, who is going to be speaking to them. So, what does Dang mean? Thank you very much, Tom, for inviting me. Uh, Dang, which is my first name, means rained. I was born when it was raining in my village of Duke, and so they gave me the name Deng, yeah. which is a blessing. It is a blessing in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And then you also told me that when you got married, it rained twice. Yes, you indeed. had the former and the latter rains, <laughs> even in your marriage, right? Yes, indeed, in 2010, uh, when we were married in Jibo, South Sudan, it rained twice. And uh, all the people who came believed that this was a blessing from God. And Th today, here we are with five children and my wife, Sarah living mm -hmm. here in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So that marriage has been tremendously blessed. blessed. So you took God of his word and you were fruitful and you multiplied. Amen. Right? Amen. Glory <laughs> be to God. Yes. <laughs> Glory <laughs> be to God. So he also comes from the town of Duke. And I was asking that question. It's spelled D-U-K. And he says it's like Duke University without the E. And, oh, okay. Well, you know, North Carolina, they get, get that idea. And I said, you know, I thought it might have said duck. And I used to take my kids to Duck, North Carolina, <laughs> to take them to the beach. So between Duck and Duke, there was a little village in South Sudan from which um, Deng comes from. So also tell us what Chol means, which is your last name. Yeah, Chol is a name given to a child uh, who comes after you as parent have lost a child before, mm -hmm. disease or what have you. So mm -hmm. Chol means replacement or compensation. And it is actually saying to, uh, to, to God that mm -hmm. may this child leave uh, to survive and leave uh, to old age, to replace mm -hmm. the uh, loss. 
mm -hmm. of the other child. And that so certainly happened to you. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, Indeed. the enemy tried to take you out many times. Many times. Right? Many he wasn't times. able to do so because the favor and blessing of God was on your life. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Looking at hindsight, yeah, definitely God was with me. Jesus was with me in every step of the way. Mm -hmm. So tell the audience, back when you were born, I think you were 10 years old, as you described it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't read or write back then. Now, I must tell the audience, by the way, uh, Dang is a very well-educated man at the moment. <laughs> he went to Arizona State, he went to Harvard, he went to uh, Oxford, and so he's extremely well-educated. George, well George Washington University. At George Washington University, yeah. too. Got to add that in there. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he's writing a book about his life. And you'll be very impressed by the uh, education of the writing, the erudition, I might say, of the writing that he does. So, but at one time in his life, you couldn't read or write. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, here I was in a refugee camp in Ethiopia, uh, and I met Jesus under a tree. And it is under the same very tree that I met Jesus that I was introduced uh, to literacy. And when I was introduced to literacy, the way it ha happened, again, is through God's own plan. I wanted to read Bible because when I met Jesus, the first thing was for me to understand exactly what it means uh, to be safe again. And what it means when I heard the word that this is my son, mm -hmm. whom I have chosen, whom I love, listen to him. I, I kept going back to try to understand that. And so I wanted to be able to, uh, to read the word of God in both my language, the Dinka, and also in English. Mm -hmm. And so I went to school. And so and my education was very, very humble. Mm -hmm. I sat in a shade of a tree, rocked by the wind, and I used my index finger as a pencil, mm -hmm. and also used my feet as you raise us. Mm -hmm. And then the sand, sandy soil was my notebook. That's how my education began. When you were under the tree, when you heard the words being expressed, were they in Dinka or English? They were in Dinka. Some of the priests did come to the camp, mm -hmm. and these words were in Dinka. Okay, so that's how it was connecting to you, because you could understand Dinka. Right? That's right. Though you couldn't read it. Well, I couldn't read it, and I couldn't comprehend the whole message. Hence the uh, the mm -hmm. motivation to to learn the language to learn both languages mm -hmm. so that I can read the dingo on my own. But these words really were the foundational mm -hmm. uh, uh, base of my faith in God. They whetted your appetite. They did indeed to not only learn uh -huh. but also to connect with God, your Father. Ah uh, yes, and I remember going back to the pastor and, and asking him what all of this mean. Right. What does it mean to be born again? Mm -hmm. When I read a story about Nicodemus yes. asking Jesus about uh, how impossible it is to be born again, to go back to the womb of, the, mm -hmm. uh, of your mom and to be born again, I was curious about those and kept going back to the <coughs> pastor mm -hmm. to dig more and to dig more. And eventually I resolved that perhaps I should land and be able to read this on my own and, uh, and understand it. When uh, you were able to, when did that actually happen? Were you 13 years old when you finally uh, came to an understanding of who Jesus was and invited him into your life? Uh, yes, I was 13 uh, years old. At this point, I had become part of the Sunday school. Uh, young boys would come on Sunday. We dance 
and uh, in front of the uh, congregation, we sing in Dinka, and uh, some of the songs were actually uh, uh, created by the members of the Lost Boys themselves, and uh, they depicted the suffering we were going through. They also talk about how God the Father would come and rescue us, and that we were not alone. So we would sing this song in front mm -hmm. of the congregation, and I was one of those Sunday schools. And so you eventually I made a decision under the same tree that I met Jesus. Uh, two years later, I came to the pastor and woke up and told him that I need to be saved again. Mm -hmm. And there I was baptized along with several other young boys at the time. Mm -hmm. So there was an appeal going on between God and you that uh, you, wanted, you experienced the love of the Father in your life and that you, that's what drew you to want to be uh, to be born again, correct? Indeed. Okay. Yeah. Well, Doesn't the scripture say that that the uh, the Father uh, draws us to to Jesus? Right? Amen. It's the Amen. love of God the Father. He wanted the protection of Him. Amen. Now, what was going on in the physical world, uh, your physical world, in South Sudan when this was happening? Was the civil war broken out already? Yeah, it had already broken out in 1983, mm -hmm. and here it was I in 1987 in the village of Duke. And so Duke today is a county, and it's a big county, the collection of many mm -hmm. districts or many villages. And so my dad was the head chief of the Nyarwing Dinga people in Duke mm -hmm. Payuel. So you were told that the boys are going to leave. And so he came to me and said, Deng, you are going to leave. Mm -hmm. And I said, where to? And he said, you are going to go to the bush. It's called the jungle. Mm -hmm. And I said, why should I go to the jungle? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, uh, we are being killed. Uh, the, the regime in Khartoum is going to decimate our villages. It's going to kill cattle and killing people. Mm -hmm. This is for your own safety. You go to the jungle. Maybe you would survive and go to school and be educated. Maybe you won't. That, or maybe not. That's a big risk. Absolutely. That's what my dad say. And so what happened is that my whole world at that time was to take care of my, of my parents' cattle, mm -hmm. uh, sheep, goats, and sometimes farms. And since my dad was the head chief, he was always outside the house, presiding over cases of the villages. Mm -hmm. And so it was my mom and I who were actually the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the people at home all the time. She cultivated she had three farms, and I would support her, raising the other two kids who mm -hmm. were later on born. Mm -hmm. And so here was my well, and so it was turned upside down. Right. And I was right now in the jungle, along with bunch of boys from different villages. There were like 30,000 of us who were walking bare, barefoot along the journey that later on was said to be over 1,000 miles right. uh, to a neighboring country in Ethiopia. 1,000 miles? 1,000 miles. Wow. And so we had to work day and night. And so the life in the jungle, the way I fell, well, that year, was, year I was, it was like 180 degrees, turn around. Right. Now I had to look for something to eat. I have to go and look at the leaves of vegetable, wild vegetable, and see what could uh, be eatable. Right. And, uh, and that's how I survived. Right. You could have eaten something poisonous. Absolutely. And, and you could have died from that. Absolutely. And it happened right. to a number of people. And also to me, in the refugee camp, we found this vegetable. It was easy to cook. Only cook for five minutes. And everyone went out there to find it, and we kept cooking it and kept eating it. And my goodness, it was horrible. Right. I, I had five minutes 
of sweating as if I was going to throw up, uh-huh. and I was really at the point uh-huh. of, 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 of death. And uh-huh. so that traumatized me for a while sure. after I survived. A number of other lost boys went through a similar uh-huh. episode. So you started in a position in your life where you had a lot of responsibility from your family, from your father and your mother, and taking care of all those animals you had to take care of. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, when the pastor came and talked to you about what was happening in your country and said you had to leave with these other 35 people uh, and go into the jungle, you had to leave all of that, mm-hmm. leave all that responsibility, and fend for yourself. How long did you? How long were you in the jungle? Uh, I was there for about three months. Mm-hmm. And did three months, whatever little crackers that my mom gave me in a bag ran out rel- relatively quick. And then now the aerial bombardment from Khartoum mm-hmm. were very frequent on mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is a w- uh, desert, we had to crawl desert, and we ran out of water. Right. And dehydration was the main thing. Yeah. I became so thinned. I had no shoes on. You're still no thin, by the way. On. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's nice Relati- and tall and thin, <laughs> relatively speaking. <laughs> and so, and so, I remember one time we were told that there was a river, and that river always had water, so we didn't have to carry water without the toller. Mm. But by the time we got there at around midday, mm-hmm. the water, the river, were dry; mm-hmm. had run out of water. Mm. And people collapsed on the mm. river bank. We Did they die? One of them died of dehydration, collapsed, yeah. as they were rescued later on. Mm-hmm. And so that afternoon was the first time I witnessed death. And it was the first time death came so close to me. Mm-hmm. We were told not to walk that afternoon. We just had to take it easy under the trees in the shade until around 5 p.m. when we had to leave. At that point, I told one of my close friends that it was still too hard. Mm-hmm. So we sneak out, hide under a tree, everyone left. At around 6 p.m. now, during an hour or so, when we were two, two, only two of us, we were moved. We were as if we were out of space, out of experience. Mm-hmm. So what we were talking more, we were talking in past. We were like, mm-hmm. life was over. We were talking about the life we miss in the village mm-hmm. and whether we would ever see our families again, whether we would see our, um, uh, you know, cattle again. Did you ever have any hope? Yeah, no, no hopes at this uh, point. Yeah. And, and we didn't care what would happen to us. We were not fearful at all. Mm. Until an hour and a half later, mm. life came back to us and we said, where are we? Mm. We discovered that we were alone, we were in the jungle, and that where life came back to us and we had to run. Mm. We ran to try to chase where everybody was. Mm. We remember running after them. More than three hours later, we found this pond that this group, the first group, uh, had dug their knees on and drunk all the water except muddy water. Mm-hmm. We had to put our mouth there to cl- glean whatever little water it was. Mm. And at midnight, we caught up with everybody. Mm. So that was one episode when I realized that the adversity of this journey were coming really close and that my own life was at stake. Did you feel the Spirit of God on you when you were going through this three-month experience? No, no, not no. at that point. Not so at that point. From a feeling point of view, mm. it was not there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
But what happened when you got through it? Mm-hmm. What, what was you, what were you feeling like when you survived this? Yeah, when I survived, uh, I look back and realize that I was not alone, mm-hmm. and that Jesus uh, really has a plan and rescue me. And this is where, when I look at the story of Joseph uh, in the Bible, mm-hmm. I realize that there are parallels in that story because mm-hmm. you looked at uh, how Joseph really was hit as used by his own brothers, mm-hmm. and they have to, uh, you know, sell him as a slave. Mm-hmm. And Joseph was actually in two different places during this time for about. 13 to 14 years. Mm-hmm. One was in the Egyptian jail. Mm-hmm. The other one was in the uh, prison guard hat. And so while he was away, his homeland was suffered. And after approximately 20 years, he was now uh, reuniting with the remaining uh, family members. His own brothers were actually mm-hmm. sold him. Mm-hmm. And so when I look back at my life, I realized that I was also in two different places in exile. I mm-hmm. was in Ethiopia and I was also in Kenya, mm-hmm. and that after um, 13 to 14 years mm-hmm. uh, of, of my life there, 20 years later, I was able to go back and reunited with the remaining members of my family. So you can see there are some parallel. But in terms of feeling, here is what happened. Joseph uh, was able to forgive his, his own brothers. brothers yeah. and, his, uh, and what he did, it became... He became himself the savior of his own yep. family. and his That own was his brother. calling and destiny. Absolutely. To save his family and save mm-hmm. his nation, save the 12 tribes of Israel, Absolute. basically. Absolutely. And it was the love of God that Joseph realized mm-hmm. that he recognized it was his calling mm-hmm. and his destiny. Even though he had to go through those bad 13, 14-year experience, God was with him during that, took him out the back end. Right, Amen. for the, not only Joseph's sake, mm. but also the sake of his family, mm. also the sake for the nation of Israel, which was the womb through which God was going to bring the Messiah. And because at, it, I think it was in Genesis 45 when Joseph uh, uh, said, "You know, you meant it for evil, mm. but God meant it for good," because He brought the good out of it. Mm. That allowed him to forgive his brothers because he understood and felt and experienced the love of God for him. In his life, and he was able to extend that to his brothers. And God brought me here. God allowed this to happen to me so that I could be here today. Amen. And that's the parallel with your life. Take the clock forward now and talk about how is the Lord using you Mm -hmm. in Sudan right now Mm -hmm. to save uh, Sudan? Uh, Yes, I have just returned back from South Sudan. I was invited by the presidency of the country to participate on a public consultation mm-hmm. on the White Nile water resources in the country. The country is now facing uh, flooding, and it has been facing flooding for the last three years. So we ought to find a solution that would allow the populations uh, to, to survive these flooding events and mm-hmm. also to have resiliency uh, to meaningful development. At the same time, this is the wetland, the such wetland, has been the source of livelihood for this population. So you ought to come up with some sustainable management plan that would allow the population to live and to thrive, but at the same time would ensure that the biodiversity of the mm-hmm. ecosystem 
is preserved and that the rain pattern has not been halted mm -hmm. uh, through any intervention. Mm -hmm. So I went to participate in that uh, consultation and it was well received. Now uh, there is also a need for our country mm -hmm. uh, to, to tend to get closer to God mm -hmm. and be closer to God in a way that we want this nation recognize that it is because of God that South Sudan was carved out of Sudan and yep. became an independent country today. Mm -hmm. And speaking of how God can take an individual or individual that may not be at the position of authority, individual that are small in their society. Look mm -hmm. at what he did with Joseph, right. uh, the younger son. Mm -hmm. But again, look at what he did when the lost boys came to the United States Americans evangelical community and some of the members of Congress were already telling American people in the world that there is persecution going on in the Sudan. Mm -hmm. So when the Lost Boys came, how many years later, yes. the Lost Boys, we became the faces of that persecution. Yeah. And it was easy for us to now talk about the suffering and the mm -hmm. persecution in the country and the need for the American to involve in war. Sure. And so the American opened the Capitol Hill, mm -hmm. the uh, members of Congress opened their offices and churches, and the school were open for us, and American citizens band together with us. Mm -hmm. And here we are, pressurizing the U.S. administration. Mm -hmm. So Bush Jr. reacted and intervened in the uh, signing of the Comprehensive Peace Agreement, mm -hmm. partly because of the role that the Lost Boys played. Mm -hmm. But that role was in vision way before the lost boys came to being hmm. by God. And today we are back in the country giving our knowledge and counsel to right. the presidency of because the country. Because you're educated in this area. Mm. All your advanced degrees and everything. It's in ecosystems and hydrology, which is exactly the kind of education you'd need to deal with the flooding of the Nile River. Is that in correct? Indeed, indeed. Yeah. And all of this looking in hindsight, it's God's plan. It's I God's using you this way. Yeah. Yes. It was all in God's plan. Amen. And uh, yeah, for our audience, we want to understand that God has a plan for your life. He got, you have a calling, you have a destiny, and little things that have happened to your life that you've buried into your subconscious minds and you're not aware of about how special you are to God and how special you are to the Father. And we just want to appeal to our audience to open up their hearts to receive the love that God has for them, to understand what their calling and destiny is, no matter how seemingly unimportant it might be in your life now <laughs> that uh, these things uh, are brought out in, the, in, uh, in time. Indeed. And it does not have, you don't have to have a war break out. Every individual of us has their story. All it needs is to be able uh, to get closer to God and to pray to God and to look, reflect on your own life mm -hmm. and see how the Lord has blessed you and see what God has done in your own life. Yes. And you will discover miracles, miracles. a lot of miracles in your own very life. Right. Look at the life of Charles Muller of Kenya, for example. Uh, Charles Muller of Kenya uh, today uh, is someone who has founded the Muller Children's Home. He right. was himself a street boy. And what happened? He found his own purpose when he was taken in by a yes. family. And then he later on found a transportation company that grew to be a very large business. And he became mm -hmm. millionaire. And so what happened? He sold all his property 
And when he sold his property, you quickly found it, the right. children home. And today there is close to 130,000 children. Amazing. That has been 130,000 people. By his Charles Molly. Yeah, and you have the story of if our, um, now you're not one of Charles Molly's lost boys, but you had the lost boy experience that paralleled also Charles Molly's life. Indeed. And you wrote a story about that. And the story about that is River of Life. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the story, Deng's uh, testimony and story, if you, if you want more details, how a lost boy found his true home. And so this is in the process of being published. And Dang has said that in a future podcast, or actually a broadcast, we uh, will be able to offer some of, the, of his books, uh, The River of Life. And this is Dang Mejak Chol signing off for you today. You've been listening to The Father's Heart with Tom Clark. Join us again next Thursday morning at 8, right here on News Talk WSIC.